Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice Today FC. I'm Josh Taylor, and Happy New Year. Now, I'll admit, I was not planning to wait this long to record the first episode of the new year, but I was expecting by now that we would have a 2022 NISA schedule, and I could talk a lot about that and other things. Hmm, I wonder what other things I can talk about today. Well, you guys already know, we got some drama going on, so I'll talk about the latest soap opera between New Amsterdam FC, NISA, and the U.S. Open Cup. I'll give you a recap of the offseason so far and talk about the latest signings and some new expansion clubs about to join the league. We got a very, very exciting episode today, so buckle your seatbelts, sit tight, and enjoy the show. Wow, guys. I don't even know where to start with this story on this latest soap opera between New Amsterdam FC, NISA, and U.S. Open Cup. And I guess Chicago House to a certain extent, since they're also owned by the Gerards. But let's start from the beginning. Let's start on Monday, January 25th. That was the day that the National Independent Soccer Association announced the 10 clubs that will be participating in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Now, naturally, you think the teams that are announced for the Open Cup will be the same teams that are going to play in NISA this year. But let's start naming the teams that was in the NISA presser on Monday. So Albion San Diego, formerly 1904 FC, Bay Cities FC, which is a, a new expansion team, Cal United Strikers FC, Chattanooga FC, Flower City Union, another expansion team, the LA Force, Maryland Bobcats FC, Michigan Stars FC, AC Syracuse Pulse, which is a new expansion team, and Valley United FC, which is another expansion team. So you have six clubs coming back from the fall season. The four expansion teams, four new teams, joined the league this year. And for NISA, it's a big deal because this will be the first time that the clubs will be participating in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Now, most notably, what everyone was talking about, the teams that were left off this list, Stumptown AC, which is reportedly going on a hiatus, according to the Night to Say NISA podcast. I'll talk more about that part a little bit later. Chicago House AC and New Amsterdam FC. Um, the league put it in their statement that those clubs will not participate in the 2022 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And we know NISA will be playing on the second round. So that will start around April 5th to the 7th. That is when those teams will play. And I know the first round of the tournament will start in March or will it? I think that is the million dollar question right now going on with U.S. soccer. Uh, because literally hours after Nisa posted this statement, New Amsterdam FC came out on fire, guys, and they they have not stopped. Uh, as a recording of this podcast, they have not stopped. After the announcement was made, 
New Amsterdam FC released the following statement on Twitter. We are still strongly considering playing in Atnisa League and in the Open Cup. The major reason we have not made a final decision is that the league has failed to provide us with financial statements. We cannot commit to play in a league that we do not know the financial status of. So that was the post they made on Twitter. And the GM of that club, um, Evan Nadiner, kind of said similar comments, saying that at the time they were also considering playing in the league and the Open Cup, and no final decision has been made. But what comes to my mind is New Amsterdam. The season ended in the end of November, right before Thanksgiving. So you basically had the end of November, you've had all of December, and you basically had all of January. Okay, it's going to be February in like a day or two. Okay. And you're waiting towards the end of the dead, well past the deadline to announce your intentions to play. What are we doing here? Okay. That caused a lot of confusion. And then the next day, Lawrence Gerard, who's the owner of New Amsterdam FC, and his wife, Lindsay Morgan Sachs, owns Chicago House AC. But the Gerards basically own both clubs. Okay. So Lawrence Gerard decided to go on an interview. And basically, long story short, he's basically claiming um, that the team, whether they did the financial statements or not, the team still intends to play in NISA this year. He did call for the commissioner, John Proust, to resign. And he's basically saying that the commissioner has a personal vendetta against him. That's basically what he's implying. And he did say a few other interesting things in this interview with the Knights Who Say Nisa podcast. Um, he talked also about um, that the commissioner and the league have not provided New Amsterdam Chicago House with the financial statements of the league. I kind of alluded to that earlier and that I've been asking them about it for weeks now. Uh, New Amsterdam wants to play this season in both Nisa and in the Open Cup, and he said he was shocked to see them announce that we were not playing in the Open Cup. He claims that they were not consulted before the statement was made about the Open Cup, which I kind of find hard to believe because when I worked for Chicago House, anytime the league was about to release a statement, we would get a kind of heads up notice. Even when the Detroit news was coming out, you know, uh, that they were leaving the league, we got a heads up from Peter that they were going to release a statement. So he wasn't expecting to go that route, but that's a different story that we've already talked about. <laughs> um, there were discussions between New Amsterdam, Chicago House, and the league about whether or not they were going to play in Nisa this season because we have been considering not playing, but they were fully aware that no final decision had been made. Our intention is to play in Nisa full stop. So he's been going back and forth. One minute he says we're not playing, then he says that we're going to play. I'm like, Lord Gerard, what, what's going on here, man? Is this about money? Is this about, you know, obviously you're not happy with the commissioner and how they're running things. I mean, you're not getting more say what you want. Like, what's the deal? This is what I was thinking about when I listened to the podcast interview on Wednesday night after I got off work. Then he says, we 
Deion Jefferson have a tentative roster, and we're going to have a new coach. And this is the thing that's an interesting dynamic with the Gerards owning both Chicago House and New Amsterdam FC, okay? He did also confirm that interview that Buna Kandul is no longer the coach and that they will have a new coach. But if you think about the similarities between Chicago House and New Amsterdam FC right now, both teams are without a head coach. So both teams need to find a coach. Both teams need to find a place to play. Now, according to once the Metro's Michael Batista in his article, he does claim that the team does look at uh, returning to Hofstra soccer team to play their games there, but they also may play at another location in the Bronx. But I was kind of like, when New Amsterdam came to the league, weren't they originally supposed to play at Fordham? But they haven't been there, so I don't know what's the update on that. Chicago House, on the other hand, there's been rumors that they may not return to SeatGeek and they may be looking at alternatives. Of course, if you listen to my last episode, I did give a very detailed analysis on the options Chicago House has as far as playing this season at an alternative venue if they choose to do that. And UIC Flamesfield, by the way, is still my top choice. Anyway, let's get back on topic. <laughs> so they got that dilemma, a new coach. They got to find a place to play. Um, both teams have not had player tryouts. Now, I did look at New Amsterdam on Instagram. They did have player tryouts, but it says on there it's for their youth team. So I don't know if maybe that's for the New Amsterdam FC2 team or maybe for the pro, time, the pro team. Excuse me. But I'm not sure. So there's that. Chicago House, they have not had any player tryouts at all. Both New Amsterdam FC and Chicago House AC have not announced any player signings. Um, and both teams will need to find staff for the front office. So it's just the interesting parallels that both of those teams find themselves in. And that's not even the, the tip of the iceberg here. We got a lot more. So let me go into what Lawrence Gerard here has been talking about because he has not been stopping since uh, his interview on Wednesday. So first he was talking about the commissioner not returning his phone calls and all this and that. Then I saw on Friday that he said, oh, the league is talking to us. Uh, yay, Nisa Lee. Yay, yay, yay. We're on a path forward. And unfortunately, the casualty in this whole situation is the U.S. Open Cup right now. The U.S. Open Cup was supposed to announce the teams that were going to play for the draw for the first round. And then on Friday, they delayed that announcement. That They delayed that announcement because – of this whole situation now between Nisa and New Amsterdam and Chicago House. And a lot of soccer fans are getting very upset at Nisa because they feel that that league keep getting extensions to submit their teams. They don't know how many teams are going to play. I'll talk more about that a bit later. But I that was the rumor going around on social media that – that's why there was this holdup with the announcement on the U.S. Open Cup and the teams. And despite them just announcing on Monday, like I just alluded to, 
now you have this situation where they now have this hot mess with New Amsterdam FC. So there's two sides of every story. Now, I know we've been hearing mostly one-sided from New Orleans Gerard and, and New Amsterdam, and we haven't heard anything from the league, even though protagonistsoccer.com, they did get some insights from someone in the league. So I'll share about that in a few minutes. But, you know, I'll try to look at it from both sides the best I can. So let's start with, you know, Lawrence Gerard uh, going on about his unhappiness with the commissioner. So on Twitter, he posted this on Friday saying uh, his, his plan to basically fix Nisa. So his plan was demand U.S. soccer to force the Pruch family to resign from Nisa League. Then he says, use Detroit Summit money to fund Chicago House, AC, and Peter Wilt. Uh, his third plan is New Hampshire FC and Chicago House, AC plan to play in Nisa and the U.S. Open Cup for 2022. And then sue Bob Friedland. That's who you're referring to. I'm assuming he's the owner for LA Force. I don't know that for sure. But based on the comments I read on his Twitter, on New Amsterdam FC Twitter page, I'm assuming that is who he's referring to. To get equity back and to distribute evenly. Now, like I said, that's not all he said. He's talked about a, a lot more things. Like, and I'm not going to go over everything. I'm just, these are just some things that I've kind of picked up on. So he also talked about demand that John Pruch resign and appoint Ron Patel or Ron Gilmore as commissioner. Now, Ron Patel's already gone, so I doubt that's going to happen. Leagues settle with New Amsterdam FC right now. The issue is that NISA is demanding we do a $1 million performance bond. They are not asking any other team to do this, and the requirement is only 250 k Now, I don't know <clears throat> that whole situation, but I think <clears throat> NISA is – playing hardball with New Amsterdam FC and Chicago House to a certain extent because this indecision, they've waited so long to jump into the boat here with Nisa to play this year. And again, both social media pages have been quiet. Before North Gerard took over New Amsterdam and that Twitter account, the last thing New Amsterdam FC posted was back on January 6th. Chicago House on their website they still have the last match recap article that I wrote for the team on their page from two months ago back in November. And they haven't posted anything on Facebook or Instagram. And Facebook, the last update we got, I'm sorry, Twitter, the last update we got was that someone asked, hey, Peter, if you're not playing the Open Cup, are you going to still be playing in NISA? And all Peter said was, we're working with at NISA League to play for the upcoming season. So, you know, I think that's probably one reason why Nisa is playing such hardball with New Amsterdam FC. And they're claiming they got the money, they got everything ready to go, but they don't want to play that $1 million bond. So I'm not sure if Nisa is going to back out of that stance, but we shall see. And then someone else <clears throat> posted on, on Twitter um, that um, you talked that he talked about the ownership stake that Friedland has. Has there been any board of governor votes where the clubs voted one way, but the approaches override it and did the opposite? And 
Laura Gerard talked about Club Nine, which is the entity that John Pruch owns. They also have Prometheus Capital, uh, owns the equity, and so does Mission Series, which is Bob Freeland's entity that gets votes in addition to the teams. If you think that each team has one vote, that could be not further from the truth. Freeland also has veto power. And someone asked if they exhorted that power, and he said no, they have not exhorted that power. But he talks about that it's kind of scary that they could do that. Then Lawrence Gerard goes on about being in sports and that the league is paying a whopping $600,000 a year for a production, which generates, which he's claiming generates no revenue for BN. Um, since I worked for the broadcasting side of things for Chicago House, I did have a conversation with Steve Livingstone about, now I had no idea they were paying that much. I had no idea. <laughs> but uh, I asked him just out of curiosity, why is leaving being sports? Because, you know, from my understanding is being sports is still not on Comcast. They're still not on, you know, direct TV. They used to be big like 10 years ago. They had Serie A, La Liga. They still got league on for now. I don't know how that one will last. But being sports is not the same like it used to be. And they're not readily available. And I kind of talked to Steve Livingstone about it. And I was like, hey, why don't these so – I mean, look, what they have with 11 sports is okay. But to me, 11 sports is more known to the international audience than it is here in the States. The States, they can go with something like YouTube or something. You know, make it free and easily accessible. I mean, I know 11 sports is free too, but there'll be some games or some highlights I'll try to watch, and you can't because you don't live in that area. So – it's not sure if it's freely accessible if they kind of geo-block certain things. Um, and that was just from my experience from uh, that side of things. But I was very curious about that. And I talked to Steve Livingstone. I was like, hey, why don't they look at, you know, Paramount Plus? They're trying to pick up soccer properties. Of course, ESPN Plus, we know they're pretty good. Unfortunately, it's a paywall, which is a Paramount Plus. So you have to ask your fans to pay some money. But the quality production is really good. Um, Amazon, of course, I know they're looking, Twitter's looking, uh, there are so many other options you can go with. Now I know the league being, you know, in its fourth season now, it's not there yet, but I'm just thinking down the road, but if they're spending that much money on being sports, uh, that's, that's not looking good. Not looking good. Of course, Lawrence Gerard talks about they can't sell any sponsorships. So, you know, then he goes on about. Freeland still could be forced to give Nisa $310,000 of credit line, and he promised the league in exchange for majority of the equity, but the league apparently has – I mean, he still keeps equity, as what he's uh, uh, alluding to here, but not following through on that commitment. Uh, you guys with me yet? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just These are some highlights that I found that were very interesting. Um, of course, I already – talked about this earlier about his plan to fix Nisa League and he's talking about constitution written by the teams and fans. I know he talked about having giving the fans an ownership within the league, but I don't know how that would be feasible. Then he goes on about a few other things. Um, like I said, I'm not gonna read everything. He did someone did ask about hey, would you be willing because he's asking about some loan uh, about Chicago House in that situation. So someone asked him, hey, would you be willing to sell Chicago House and all that? And he said, he responded and said, yes, I'd be willing to sell Chicago House 
and be willing to sell to the league. Now, my thought process was, why didn't you not do that back in October and November? Try to help Chicago House get sold. That's just what comes to my mind. So that's what he talked about. And then someone asked, is New Hampshire FC considering other league options? Then he says, more to come. Then he's talking about ESPN. Hey, please interview me. I want to share my thoughts and tell all about Nisa and all this stuff. And then he talked about that one time last year where LA Force and New Amsterdam played a game. And of course, that was at Vanguard University. The lights went out. We all know about that story. But he's claiming about that the LA Force owner, which assuming he's referring to Bob Freeland, uh, is one of the main investors in Nisa. And he bends the rules all the time. And Nisa lets him get away with it all the time. He also hired the commissioner of the league, just saying. LA Proxy owns 70% of the league or something like that along those lines. Now, you know, he's basically quoting what a commentator had kind of listed in that. And what's crazy about all this, okay, and he's still going, by the way. He's posting stuff every hour. This is crazy. He decided to give out free pizza. Like, Marshall Arts, like, the first 10 soccer fans that retweet something, uh, one of his posts, gets – $50 of free pizza delivered in the next 60 minutes. And I saw on social media that people were getting free pizza, man. Like, that is just crazy. Yeah, like I said, I'm not going to read all into this with Lawrence Gerard because it's just going on and on and on. Now that I've shared the Lawrence Gerard New Amsterdam FC perspective, now let's talk about the NISA perspective. Now, I'm referencing uh, the ProtagonistSoccer.com article written by Dan Vaughn here. And he wasn't able to get much response from Nisa, but I still think the way he wrote it down uh, kind of explains Nisa's point very well. So after that interview that the Nights Who Say Nisa podcast did on Wednesday, um, he says here that they receive multiple emails and calls from people connected within the league. Uh, he said that one source claimed that Gerard had made it clear to the Board of Governors that both New Amsterdam and Chicago House would not be playing in 2022 unless specific reasonable demands were met, which I referenced to his Lawrence Gerard's response uh, earlier. The source went on to allege that the demands were a funding proposal that would grant two loans to Chicago House and New Amsterdam, allowing them to play in 2022. In the email from mid-December, Gerard appears to state that both clubs are out for next season. I believe that information clearly contradicts what Lawrence Gerard was trying to claim on his interview with the United States Nisa podcast on Wednesday. And let's see, Dan got a little more here. Uh, according to a Nisa source, New Amsterdam Chicago House still owes league dues for 2021 and has apparently been used by the league to deem both clubs members in forfeiture. In another long term email, um, Gerard claims that the clubs never received a notice and that if they did, then they would have cured the issue within 30 days. The email also states that the commissioner, that uh, that this move uh, was made by the commissioner to push two teams out of the, that have spent millions developing the league and is even trying to push the founder of the league, Peter Will, out. Gerard and the relationship with the front office of NISA, where there appears to be an impasse. 
Now, Gerard has also stated that he is prepared to play in both Nisa and the Open Cup, regardless of the financial information being released. And he did share photos. I did see those on Twitter. Uh, he's showing the check. This has to be the craziest low division soccer thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you have a team literally posting on social media a, a check, okay, with the, the routing number and everything and the guy's contact information and all this stuff um, on Twitter, along with the uh, U.S. Open Cup application that they paid to U.S. Soccer. Um, and Lawrence Gerard also posted emails that claimed that he did get a response from the U.S. Open Cup committee. But they're basically telling them, the league told us that there was only 10 teams. So if you guys are playing, you need to let Nisa know, and then Nisa needs to inform us. That's basically what they said. Dan has a, a few more emails he's referencing to, um, one that was sent to the Nisa Board of Governors, um, that it appears that New Amsterdam um, is open to playing regards to the funding demands. And it says here, Lawrence Gerard said, quote, I am willing to have at least New Amsterdam play, but the league needs to immediately drop all the fines related to this nonsense, give both New Amsterdam FC and Chicago 30 days to pay league dues, issue a retraction about the Open Cup stating that New Amsterdam FC is playing in both the league and Open Cup. Now, Dan also mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, that the league front office um, has not released an official statement. They have not made a comment, um, but they did get a response from the NISA communications specialist, Steve Johnson. And he says here, quote, there was nothing that we can discuss. We don't discuss financials or club internals. Again, we are focused on the 10 clubs that will be participating in the 2022 U.S. Open Cup. Um, he also couldn't confirm or deny anything in the interview beyond New Hampshire FC is not in the NISA list of clubs participating in the 2022 U.S. Open Cup. Now, it's going to be interesting, guys, to see how this plays out because at the moment, there is no official league schedule. We were told that NISA has till January 31st to release the schedule. They may still do it. They may not. And, you know, I don't know where this is going to end up. Um, I used to work for Chicago House, as you all know, and it was kind of crazy uh, towards the end of our season. Um, I know the team did had some financial difficulties, which unfortunately led to um, the team having to lay off most of their staff, including myself. And the Gerards were also part of that team as well. And, you know, it just makes me question, does Lawrence Gerard have, it's about money. This is really what it's about. And that Gerard maybe doesn't have the money to run both clubs. And how is Nisa going to respond? Um, they could stay their current stance, which is we're not budging and you guys just aren't going to play. You're going to have to be like Stumptown. You sit out for a year and you come back in 2023. Lawrence Gerard also included saying that he'd be shocked if eight teams are able to play. Uh, he thinks none of these new expansion teams are ready to play. That's what he's also been alluding to on social media. I don't know much about that. Um, from what I've seen on social media, Flower City Union, they seem the most active. They've had some player signings. They don't have a coach, but you would think they're probably working on that. Bay Cities, they just announced some signings, which I'll talk about that later, but they finally announced some signings. 
uh, Valley United, they, I know they have an East Nation team, but they have not – we haven't heard anything about player signings or anything of that nature with them yet. And Syracuse, I have not heard anything from AC Syracuse Pulse. Their website still ha- basically has not changed since they made their announcement that they're going to play in the league. There's no updates on that. I know they've talked a bit about their women's team, but there's been nothing on the men's team. So that's probably the one team I'll be very concerned of as of right now. Probably Value United FC as well. But I still feel confident that Bay Cities and Flower City Union will probably play. But again, the caveat, Flower City Union, there's still a chance they could play in East Nation. That's still a possibility. Um, and Bay Cities, Andrew Perez has already confirmed in a podcast that the team doesn't plan to play in Nisa Pro this year. So, Lawrence Gerard, I mean, the only thing, the only way I could see that being the case is basically if none of the expansion teams play, Nisa has six teams, Chattanooga, Maryland Bobcats, Michigan Stars, Cal United, LA Force, and Albion. And the league would be forced to bring back New Amsterdam and Chicago House. That's the only way I would see where both of these teams play. Outside of that, I mean, we, it could certainly possible Lawrence Gerard could sell the team to the league, and that, and that uh, Chicago House, you know, they maybe get a new investor. I mean, and they can play. I just don't know how it's going to work on such a short notice because I believe the league is supposed to start playing in March. Now, I don't know if it's going to be the beginning of March or maybe the end of March or early April. I mean, it's certainly possible they could push the season a month back to give them more time. And then you're going into November with playoffs. So I don't I don't know if Nisa's willing to do that. It sounds like to me Nisa's playing a game of hardball here, and they're at the moment not backing down. But Nisa also has this dilemma with U.S. soccer, okay? And to me, that is the reason why – it's been a big issue for them because if they let Chicago House and New Amsterdam back and they play, it's possible they're going to kick out two amateur teams. And I don't think that's fair. I really don't. And I don't think U.S. soccer would be willing to make an exception. It's certainly possible one way they can get around this is they create a play-in round. Now, the last time we saw a play-in round in the U.S. Open Cup was back in 2018 when, at that time, the NASL had just folded. The New York Cosmos, the Miami FC, and Jacksonville Armada FC, they were pro teams the year before. They had to self-relegate to the MPSL. So when U.S. Soccer made the announcement of the teams, those three teams were not on it. So they had to file an appeal to get in the tournament. And they were added in at the last minute, but had to play in the playing around. That's certainly a possibility for maybe Chicago House and New Amsterdam. They may have to file an appeal, even though they're pro teams, because they were initially left out. So they could be forced to be that instead of kicking both of those amateur teams out, they may ask them to play around early and play in the playing round. So we'll have to see how this plays out, guys. I have no idea how it's going to play out. It's just... It's just crazy. Uh, just crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have to see how things go. I mean, New Amsterdam, I could see them trying to make a meal out of it, obviously trying to make a PR campaign. That's clearly what Lawrence Gerard is doing here. But Nisa, 
could counter and be like, okay, Lawrence Gerard, what about your finances? You're asking us about our finance? What about your finances? Okay, do you have the money to pay for both of these teams? And if you don't, you should sell your investment in, in both New Amsterdam and Chicago House. I mean, again, I don't, I'm only speculating here, but I don't know where it's going to go. But it certainly doesn't look like this soap opera is going to end anytime soon, even though I certainly hope it ends quickly and they find a resolution so we can focus on the season for 2022 and the U.S. Open Cup. All right, guys, there's been a lot of drama in this story, but we got to move on to more positive news on the league. So let's get to it. All right, you guys still with me? Good. Let's talk about some other stuff that's happened around NISA and NISA Nation since our last episode. Let's start with NISA Nation first. FC Golden State won the Southwest Division in NISA Nation, defeating Las Vegas Legends 4-3 earlier this month. And look, FC Golden State, they pretty much dominated the Southwest Division for the most part. And they did have a few LA Force players that were part of that team, like Samuel Goni. I know he scored a couple goals. And Samuel Goni and some of those players, I'm sure, trying to stay in shape, keep their form going, and get ready for the season for NISA for the spring. Well, they had a team in MPSL. They won't this year. And they had a team, I think, in another league as well. But they've been playing in multiple leagues and NISA Nation did very well. I know the other game that happened for that final game of that week was Chula Vista and Valley United under 23 team that finished on a 1-1 draw. But uh, yeah, Nisa Nation, congrats to them. They finished their first fall season and are now getting ready for the spring 2022 season. Now, I think Nisa Nation is going to have, they only have the Northeast Division and the Southwest Division. I think this year they're adding the Pacific and North Cal division, I believe. So they'll be they'll have a few more divisions, be smaller for the spring, and then hoping for the fall, it'll grow even more. Speaking of Nisa Nation, former managing director Ron Patel has decided to step down from his role with Nisa Nation. That was announced a few weeks ago, and return to his former club, New Mexico United. So Ramatel is going back home and he will be the club's chief business officer. And look, Ramatel, I wish him nothing but the best. I got to meet him briefly for one of our home games when I worked for Chicago House. I think it was the game against Maryland Bobcats FC. And I got to chat with him for a bit. We talked a bit about, you know, the big plans with Nisa Nation. And he talked about his passion in the project, even though he had only been with the, with the Leaf for, I think, four months at that point, but he was very passionate, talked about the, his process of recruiting teams and talking about the project, the long-term vision, how it's going to eventually get to ProRel at some point and build with Nisa Pro, and you have to affiliate leagues built under that system. So it was really cool getting to chat with him about it, and – me, of course, being the broadcasting content for Chicago House, we did talk about some broadcasting things a little bit, but he he said, you know, it'll get there with the broadcasting. You know, 
the first year they kick off. So I expect it'll take some time before it gets to where Nisa wants it to be. But Ramatel, very nice guy. I really enjoy talking to him, and I wish him nothing but the best. Maybe at some point in time, maybe I'll get him on the show and see if he can share about his experience about Nisa Nation and things he's doing now at New Mexico United in the USL Championship. So who's going to be the guy taking over for Ron Patel? That will be Jonathan Rednauer. He used to work with the Gulf Coast Premier League. He's been involved with Nisa Nation, so he worked alongside Ron Patel as well. But now he's going to take Ron's spot. And look, I know when this announcement was initially made a few weeks ago, Nisa fans were freaking out because, you know, what's going on in Nisa Nation? They keep changing all the time. And, well, I mean, you're not wrong, fans. Fred Mathis was the original person that took over this project. Then when the league brought in Ron Patel, he got it off the ground with two divisions set up and the process and how it's going to work and recruiting teams and everything. So, look, we got to give both Fred Mathis and Ron Patel some credit here for setting up the foundation and getting it off the ground. Because I think for the longest time, it was just a concept and we just didn't know it was ever going to happen. But now it finally did. So that was exciting to see it take off and excited to see how it's going to go moving forward with Jonathan Rednauer taking over the league. And let's just see how his vision grows with Nisa Nation moving forward. But I think, like Ramatel said, it's in good hands. And I think Jonathan Rednauer is definitely up for the task. I should definitely reach out to him as well and just see how he's settling in the new job and seeing what ideas he has to move Nisa Nation moving forward. Now, Nisa Pro, now, they this month announced approval of the 2023 expansion teams. I think there'll be more. These won't be the only two. But Savannah Clovers FC, that was the big one. Savannah Clovers FC, they've been playing in the lower division soccer for quite some time, and they've been looking at going pro, and they decided to go Nisa. So very exciting for that organization and looking forward to see what they put next. They got to find a home where they're going to play, do some player signings, build a front office staff. And I'm going to have to make a trip to Savannah, Georgia. I've never been there. Very excited that they're going to be part of NISA next year. The other new team that's going to be joining them is the one we talked about last month, 1000 Oaks FC. Now, of course, in my last episode, they had just applied to the league, but they have now been approved. I don't know if they're going to actually play next year. I guess it depends if they get some things in place out there on the West Coast. But if they get it in place in time, I would imagine they would play next year. And for Nisa, this is huge. Thousand Oaks FCs in Thousand Oaks, California, just north of L.A. It's another California team. And Nisa's got a good amount of teams out there in California and they got a team in Arizona now, Value United FC. And I would love to see them get teams across the West Coast, a team in Nevada, maybe Reno, since they don't have a team right now, or Vegas. For how long, I don't know, because there's been rumors MLS is probably going to be in Vegas at some point. So who knows? But I could see like you know Nevada, Utah, Colorado, maybe Boise, Idaho at some point, and uh, love to see a team out in Washington State and Oregon. That would be cool, too. 
have that West Coast presence out there. And then let's build out the Central, the Midwest and, uh, you know, Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and the Plains and see how that goes. So I think, Lisa, we're slowly getting there, but it's going to take some time. But, hey, we got a whole 2022 season to go, and I'm sure we'll hear some more expansion clubs and rumors, of course, as we get closer to the 2022 spring season. Now let's talk about some player signings. So for this month, the most of the player signings have come from Chattanooga FC and Maryland Bobcats FC. Let's start with the Bobcats. They brought back 12 players as they enter their second season. Um, they got a new coach as well that I'll talk about in a minute. And I'm sure he, the new coach had some say in signing some players and bringing players from their tryouts as they look to continue to build on their historic first season and improve in their second year. Now they brought back goalkeeper Christian Kolker, um, defender Davy Mason, and they brought back defender Yaya Fane. Fane, he was the leader in minutes for the club this past season in the fall. Uh, they brought back defender Trey Cooper, Brian Arweta, Blay Pato, Andy Alvarado, and I had a gut feeling this guy was coming back. Kay Banjo, he was the team's top goal scorer for the fall season. Of course, when the Maryland Bobcats played Chicago House, Kay Banjo scored a hat trick, and he he scored some stellar goals in that game. Uh, they're a very physical team last year. Uh, even C.J. Brown, our coach, had talked about how impressed he was with Maryland Bobcats and how they played. Um, they're a very physical team that you can never count out. They will always push you to the limit. So that was definitely something that I noticed with Maryland Bobcats as C as well. And I think I would expect that to continue. The Maryland Bobcats also brought back Alex Cow, James Pele Cisse, Richard Forca, and they also brought in some players, um, Jocelyn Poseon. I hope I said that right. And they brought some players back that were not back, but they were part of the tryouts. So Elijah Amo, Brandon Clegg, and Bernard, Bernardo, excuse me, Mahano. I believe those are, those are a group of players that are part of the tryouts that are local from the DMV area. And they also brought in some experience. They brought in Moses McKinney, Sam Solomon, Christian Schneider. Of course, he had played with 1904 FC this past fall season. They also signed um, Darren Espinal. He's a player that also played for Detroit City, New York Cosmos, Oakland Roots. A very experienced player uh, that I think will help Maryland Bobcats as well. They also signed Alejandro Arbelis, he played for Baltimore Blast. Felix Anand, he, uh, he's from Ghana. He won trophies everywhere he's played. So I think that's a big pickup as well. We'll see, especially now Nisa going a longer season, that I'm sure he'll get some games in. Drew Wivel, I hope I said that right. 
He played with Loudoun United and was also part of the Maryland Bobcats FC2 squad. So Maryland Bobcats, they've built a solid roster. And now that Detroit City FC is gone for 2022, it's really wide open. Cal United, LA Force, I mean, maybe Maryland Bobcats can make a run. And Chattanooga FC, who I'll talk about in a minute, I mean, the, the opportunity is there now that these teams now, Detroit's gone, are going to go for it and try to win a title and be a champion for the upcoming season. So very excited to see these teams, you know, make better moves and bring back a core group of players and look to improve. And I think for all these needs to teams, that is the goal to improve from the previous season. Now let's talk about Chattanooga FC. Chattanooga FC, they signed uh, four former Stumptown players. They signed defender Frankie Martinez. They also signed midfielder Alex McGrath. They also signed Colin Tripling and Travis Ward. Those were all key players for Stumptown. Rod Underwood, who's now coaching Chattanooga FC. That's really cool to see Rod Underwood bring back some of his former players to his new squad and change that mindset for Chattanooga FC. Because I know this past year they had a, a down season and Chattanooga FC is going to be a team now that Detroit's gone that they want to get back in the top echelon and try to compete to win championships. Because with Chattanooga FC, that's what they expect. Now, one interesting signing, at least curious to me, that I wonder how it came about was that Chattanooga FC was able to bring in Ian Ciro from uh, Chicago House Athletic Club. Of course, Ian Ciro, we signed him, I think, a month after the, uh, the fall season had started. And Ian Ciro, when I worked for Chicago House, he was playing with Milwaukee Turn and talent midfielder. I know CJ Brown used him as a defender at times, but he can just change the game as that pace. And I think Chicago House, we were kind of struggling, you know, building that momentum from the midfield. And Ian Zero just changed that and create opportunities for many of the strikers to get chances on goal to score goals. Uh, Ian Zero, of course, he scored goals for us as well. Um, it's a big loss for Chicago House, but it's a huge gain for Chattanooga FC because Chattanooga FC, again, the, the midfield I know was banged up a lot last year. So hopefully this year they, they can stay healthy and be competitive. But I think Ian Cero will definitely help create some opportunities for them. And, you know, they don't have to rely on Damian Rodriguez to do all the work now they got another guy that can kind of take the the pressure off and you know Chattanooga FC with Rod Underwood and knowing that now they're a competitive team play very well defensively this could be a really good counter-attacking team that's going to try to attack and get goals and Ian Zero will play a big part in that um, don't doubt that by any means so that was the the two clubs that mainly made signings this past month uh, Cal United, they did announce their preseason roster, but most of the roster are players that you already know. Brian Medina, Omar Nuno, Christian Terjong, uh, Gene Antoine, the goalkeeper, 
uh, Garrett Hopin. And then you have some players that are trialists. And then you also have some players that had played for other teams like Bay Kurtz. He also played for Stumptown last year, and now he's going to have an opportunity to try to make a team for Cal United Strikers FC. They're a preseason roster, so we kind of have an idea of who has a chance of making a team, but I think Cal United will keep most of the players that they had from last year and probably bring in a, a few new players from that group, depending on how their preseason goes. Now, let's talk about some more Nisa Nation for just a second. Bowling Green FC will leave the UPSL and will join Nisa Nation. Nisa Nation, they also have earned a provisional National League sanctioning designation from the USASA, U.S. Amateur Soccer Association. So that is some big steps that Nisa Nation announced this month to move forward on their plans. Let's talk about league news from Nisa that happened since the last episode. So as I mentioned to you earlier that the Maryland Bobcats, they have announced their new head coach, Sylvain Rastello. Uh, he takes over as the club's head coach and GM. And Rastello, you know, he is going to be there for at least two years. And he's been all over the globe. Uh, he uh, He's originally from Canada. He has coached in Canada, France, the Solomon Islands, and South Africa. So he's been all over. And so, yeah, I'm going to read a quote here from Maryland Bobcats FC President G.D. Sabah on bringing in Coach Restillo and how he fits the club. Quote, Sylvain fits us as a cl club. It's important when you're looking to, for someone to come into an organization that you do a thorough check on the person. The personalities and what they will be bringing into the organization has to mesh with that organization and what they want to build. Sylvain's background and resume speaks for itself. We are happy to have him on board to take the club in a different direction. We all we will all be here to support him. Welcome to the club, coach. So you can tell that the front office is very excited to bring him in and Look, I'm excited to see what the Maryland Bobcats do. I just read their roster for you, and I know he had an influence in that. So looking forward to see what this team does in the 2022 season. Value United FC, um, they have updated their new crest. So definitely an improvement. They got rid of that giant soccer ball. I'm not a big fan of soccer ball logos, but, you know, but uh, the, the logo they got now looks – much better than what they previously had. Former LA Force player Diego Casillas has signed with USL League One club Central Valley Fuego FC. He won't be the only former LA Force player going there as Christian Shaney. He is also going to USL League One side Central Valley Fuego FC as well. So you'll have two former LA Force players to watch in USL League One. NISA and Detroit City FC, they reached an agreement this month that would allow them, allow Detroit City FC to officially leave the league. I kind of alluded to that earlier with that whole situation with Lawrence Gerard, 
Uh, the league did get some settlement money out of this. Uh, according to protagonist soccer, it was reported to be around 1 million to 2.5 million. Um, not sure what the league's going to do with that money. I guess we'll find out soon, but, uh, that's settles that and both sides can now officially move on. According to the Knights of St. Nisa podcast, they have confirmed that Stumptown AC will go on hiatus for the 2022 season and they are expected to return in 2023. Don't know the whole situation with Stumptown. They had an investor, uh, with FC Carolinas and from what Dan Vaughn had mentioned in that, his article, um, they had FC Carolinas basically told Nisa that they're going to take the year off and probably come back next year. So I don't know. The, the league has not announced FC Carolinas as the official owner. I guess we will get that confirmation at some point. But if that's the case, it looks like they need more time to get the organization going and set up and everything and then find a place to play for next season. USL League One side Tormenta FC, they also signed former Maryland Bobcats FC defender Jake Dengler. So he is one departure from the club from Maryland Bobcats FC. I also wonder where Molly Carpa Jr. ends up because he was not signed by the club. So I wonder what where he ends up next. Flower Seeing Union, they have now decided they have signed Andrea Regoni um, this month. So they made that signing official. Bay Cities have signed Jonathan Portita. He's going to be the club captain, and he also played for the San Jose Earthquakes Academy and also played at San Jose State University. Bay Cities also signed Gabriel Zavera. He played at Sacramento State University and also played for the U.S. men's national team beach soccer team. So it's good to see Bay Cities and Flower City Union announced some signings because they have been pretty quiet for uh, the most part, at least on that department with signings, but now they're starting to make some signings. And that's great that these new clubs are finally making signings. And speaking of new clubs, uh, Valley United FC, they just announced that they have made their first club signing. They have brought on Steven Elias from Lansdowne Boys. Uh, Lansdowne Boys, they play in the EPSL. And uh, he helped them win that title in that league and also won two national championships. So we got a signing from Valley United FC now. We got signings from Bay Cities and a, a few from Flower City Union. Come on, AC Syracuse Post. You're the only one I'm waiting on here. So maybe this week we will finally get some signings on AC Syracuse Pulse. But that's basically a recap of the offseason so far. And, man, I can't say it hasn't been entertaining, to say the least. Now let's move on to my final thoughts. All right, everyone. Before I get into my final thoughts today, I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Nice Who Say Nisa podcast crew, Dan Vaughn, and the protagonistsoccer.com staff. These guys have done a great job covering the lower division of soccer and giving all kinds of unique different angles, uh, especially with this latest news from New Amsterdam FC and NISA. So I just wanted to 
give those guys a shout out. I appreciate their hard work. I know a lot of fans appreciate their hard work. I know they don't get paid, so they're just doing this for the love of the game. But I just want to say thank you guys for all your hard work. And Dan, if you're listening to this podcast, look, man, I'm still looking for a full-time job here in Chicago, but you have my word, man. Once I, I get settled with a new job, uh, I'm going to a job fair this week. I'll talk to some television networks, see what opportunities they have. But once I get settled with a new job, believe me, man, I'm going to definitely become a patron for protagonist soccer. So you got another one out of me. So just wanted to throw that out there. Now, for my final thoughts, let's kind of give my perspective on this whole situation between New Hampshire FC and versus Nisa drama. Now, look, in my opinion, to me, this is embarrassing. It makes both parties look bad. And I, I've been covering low division soccer for quite a long time. As you guys know, I, I've worked for a UPSL team. I covered for the cup.us with the qualifying rounds and written articles for Josh Hakula and his sites um, in the past. And of course I've worked for Chicago house recently, but I've been following soccer for a very long time here in the States. And you just, when you think you've seen it all, man, I haven't seen nothing like this. I've never seen anything like this. And look, Lawrence Gerard, you know, uh, I hope, you know, everything's okay with you and, all that, but with the New Hampshire FC situation, like you know, Lawrence, you know, you, you have your own, uh, own Twitter page or a quick Twitter account, you know, you can kind of speak from instead of using the team Twitter account, you know, I was just curious. Um, because New Hampshire FC, like I mentioned, they haven't posted anything on since January 6th until uh, now we got the situation with the Open Cup drama and. I just think turning the new astronaut FC Twitter account into a burner account is just a bad look. It really is. And he's still going. He hasn't stopped. He's still going. So, you know, I I I don't know what to make about this. I know he's been offering free pizzas and free pizza shirts. I'm sorry, selling pizza shirts, excuse me. But I'm kind of like, Lawrence, if if you really want to get Nisa that bad, shouldn't you use that money to pay your dues i'm kind of more puzzled <clears throat> i guess would be the more appropriate way for me to describe it but don't get me wrong Lord Gerard did bring up some key issues that the league in my opinion needs to really address i don't know if the league has ever come up with the plan yet so how they're going to remedy that situation move forward i i think the league needs to address that because during that time the league was mostly silent and you can't be silent when you keep having issues like this. You got to be ahead of the game. Attack the problem. Talk to the refs. Find out what happened. Figure out a way how to make it work. Make sure they get paid. Because the last thing Nisa wants, or would want, I would say, is, is a strike. The refs don't ref the games. And what, you want to be like in the NFL? Oh, way back when and have replacement refs? Is that what you really want? I don't think so. So Nisa, I think, needs to address that issue head on for the sake of the league for long term. I think Lawrence Gerard, you know, can't disagree with that. Even though I work for a Nisa team, we, we've all known that's been an issue. 
Um, he talked about, you know, being sports. And look, I had no idea they were paying that much money. But all I can say on that is this. Look, Nisa, to me, I understand being sports brings maybe a few more investors, a few more eyeballs, all that stuff. But is it really worth paying that much money when you had to prop up two teams and you had all these other the pay the ref issues and all this stuff? Is it really worth going through all that hassle? I mean, look, if I was running Nisa and knowing we've had all these issues, I would be in cost-cutting mode right now. So being sports, I'm sorry, I'm not paying 600 k We either lower the price or we just have to go our separate ways. I'm not going to keep paying that kind of money, especially when I have other options and stuff like that. But not all the teams are at that level. So I know it's a budget-related thing. So I hope some teams, uh, these teams coming in and some of the teams that are still here, that they can look into investing more money and that type of thing. Because from broadcasting, it affects everything, not just viewership and stuff, but sponsorship, you know, getting some, you know, potentials for revenue options, you know, things of that nature. That that stuff helps. Um and, you know, selling tickets. I know Chicago House, we would always promote our next games and tickets, you know, to get fans aware of that and where they go to buy tickets. I mean, that's a big deal, too. Um, so broadcasting plays a big role in that. So I hope the league can use that or Chicago House as, and what I did as an example to help other Nice teams, you know, have that desire to get there and, you know, move forward. But that's just my thoughts on being sports. I, I just – don't think it's worth paying that kind of money, especially when we know that they're not readily available on Comcast, DirecTV, and stuff like that. The goal is for Nisa, as far as broadcasting, you need to get to like where USL's at. Get to that level. Then you get to talk to like ESPN or CBS or Turner or whoever. That's the goal. And look, Nisa's got to look at their competition, man. I mean, it's always going to be a competition. I know MLS Next Pro will be starting this year, and I don't know. Some people in Nisa seem very dismissive of that. But, look, as long as they're around, they're always going to be competition. And I know MLS Next Pro is looking at UPSL and PSL teams to bring up to MLS Next Pro. And my concern is if Nisa keeps having these issues, then current Nisa teams or new Nisa teams could potentially look at MLS Next Pro or USL League One or championship division that's how it's going to be unfortunately and i know u.s soccer they don't have an interest in putting a proper pyramid and trying to get all these leagues to align and pro rel. they don't want any of that they just want to have these leagues try to make money but when there's so much disorganization especially in lower division soccer we know lower division soccer is not time to make money it's it's going to take years and some owners get it and some don't. We just have to hope for the best on that route and see how things play out. Um, question the league funding. Gerard talked about the finances for the league. And all I can say on that is look, I understand New Hampshire FC and why they're concerned about it. But I'm kind of like, if other NISA teams were that concerned about it, we probably wouldn't have a spring 2022 season. And NISA's got 10 clubs that are committed for the least this season, as far as we know, 
And I'm just saying, I mean, Lawrence Gerard was talking about other teams. I'm not the only one. There's other teams that aren't happy with how it's being run, but I have not heard anything. I have not heard anything on social media or Twitter or anything from Mark Washoe and Flower City Union. I have not heard anything from the Capriotis at Cal United. I have not heard anything from even the Yunkais who run Michigan Stars FC. You, they, Other than New Amsterdam, usually Michigan Stars is the one that always seems outspoken about the league about something. And we haven't even heard anything from them. Even though I did see the Michigan No Stars FC Twitter account made fun of Lawrence Gerard and his pizza thing. And like, who wants free chicken tenders and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, uh, it's just crazy, man. Uh, crazy. But, yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on the whole situation so far. And you have to wonder how it's going to play out. Right now, Nisa's playing hardball. And doesn't seem like they're going to back down. So it looks like unless they come to some type of a compromise or resolution, it looks like New Amsterdam FC and Chicago House, unfortunately, because they are still owned by the Girards, will have to sit out this year and try to come back in 2023. Um, Chicago House, the only way I see them getting out of it is, well, if the league changes its mind and decides to prop a team, which so far seems like they don't want to do that, or Chicago House is able to sign, or I'm sorry, able to find a new primary investor that hasn't been announced yet. I mean, that's kind of the only way they can get out of that situation. Um, or, I mean, like I mentioned, Lawrence Gerard mentioned he was willing to sell a team. So Lawrence helped Peter and them find some owners here in Chicago or somewhere. So you don't have to deal with that anymore. I'm just saying, you know, it's just the wild, wild west and lower division soccer guys. And I know Lawrence Gerard also posted some things uh, about other league owners. So a part of me wonders, would Nisa or maybe some of the other team owners try to pursue legal action against Lawrence Gerard and posting some, you know, confidential information that wasn't meant to be out to the public? I don't know how it's going to play out. Don't know if the league will try to force the Gerards out. Who knows? I mean, one thing I do know is if there's going to be lawyers involved, you know, how we see in lower division soccer, especially with the NASL and U.S. Soccer Federation and Robert Camiso still running that fight, you know, lawyers are going to try to make some money out of that deal for sure. So I have no idea how it's going to play out, but it's just crazy. And for New Amsterdam, look, let's be real. Since New Amsterdam FC has joined the NISA in fall of 2020, I would have to say they've been kind of middles of the table towards the bottom. You know, they haven't been consistent with their play. They've had three coaches now and the team's been around for a year and a half. And now they're looking for their fourth head coach. Okay. Remember when you actually came to the league, Eric Rinalda was the original manager for this club, but he was only there for like two weeks. Then he left. And then Max Mansfield took over the team for the rest of the fall 2020 season. Now, New Amsterdam FC, they were really bad in the fall 2020 season. Granted, yes, the pandemic and other factors, and they're a new team, so I kind of gave them a pass. Now, they did make a slight improvement during the tournament that year for the fall season in Detroit, but, you know, didn't get out of the group. 
And then you thought they were going to take an improvement in spring 2021, but they free-falled. Uh, didn't do well in the spring 2021 season. And after that, before the fall season started, Max Manfield stepped down, and then Buna Kondul took over the team for the fall season. And when Buna took over, you know, New Amsterdam was off to a hot start. They they crushed us in our home opener, 4-0. And you're thinking, wow, man, New Amsterdam, they might actually be good this year. And then they fell. And, um, you know, yes, they finished fourth place, but that was not enough for Buna Kondul to keep his job. And Lawrence Gerard is part of ways with him. So now, if New Amsterdam FC comes back, they will have to go for their fourth head coach, which to me is never good. Um to have that many coaches in such a short amount of time. I think only Watford in the Premier League has gone through more coaches <laughs> in that short amount of time. Um, not only that, when you answer, so you got to talk about the front office. The front office, you know, it's been in, in, in disarray for when Lawrence Gerard posted that thing on Twitter on their contact for broadcast and operations and all this. It's only one person. I'm like, Lawrence, like, you only have one person running all these things? I mean, that's a lot. Like, don't you guys want to copy um, Chattanooga FC and Maryland Bobcat strategy for the front office and just hire some interns? You know, you don't have to pay them if you don't want to pay them, you know, but just have them help you guys out. I mean, something, you know, I mean, um, I mean, one person trying to run everything for the team, it's a, it's a lot. So... Yeah, I and I know a few of those people I used to work for New Amsterdam FC are now working for Two Bridges FC, which is not related to New Amsterdam FC. They're their own separate club thing. I don't know if they're going to be in like UPSL or they're going to be in Nisa Nation one day. I don't know. But that was one thing I noticed that some of their his former staff people that worked for New Amsterdam are now working for that club now. So We'll see what happens with New Amsterdam FC as a club moving forward if they do end up playing this year. As for Chicago House, uh, a club near and dear to my heart, uh, I just hope that they find a new investor just to get themselves free from the Gerard portfolio of teams here <laughs> and, uh, you know, charter their own path. I think that's the best case scenario for Chicago House, even if it means if they have to sit out a year. I hope they don't. I hope they do find a way to play. But if they do have to sit out a year like some town and come back in 2023, I would think that sacrifice would be worth it to get a new investor, you know, kind of hit the reset button and get things moving for the future of the club. And with that, that is my final thoughts. All right, everyone. Thanks again today for listening to my show. If you have any questions, comments, or any feedback, please let me know on my personal Twitter page. It's at JT underscore Taylor 88. And if you love the show and want to follow any updates on the show, please follow the Nisa Today FC social media handles. We're on Twitter at Nisa underscore Today FC. We're also on Facebook at Nisa Today FC, and we're also on Instagram at Nisa underscore Today FC. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm currently working on some interviews 
for next month for February. So stay tuned for that. If I get any updates and confirmation on some interviews, I will let you know. But I hope we can get a schedule soon. Hope these teams continue to make player signings and have some preseason and get us all excited because we're getting one more month, another month closer, guys, to the 2022 NISA season. So hang in there, guys. We're almost there. All right. I'm heading out for the day. Would you guys enjoy the rest of your day? And I'll see you next time.